Okay, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has graced us and uh, has uh, been uh, has allowed us to get to uh, day 17 uh, in this series. And uh, alhamdulillah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us for the rest of Ramadan as well. Let's start off uh, in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a bit of Quran. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولقد آتينا داود وسليمان علما وقال الحمد لله الذي فضلنا على كثير من عباده المؤمنين وورث سليمان داود وقال يا أيها الناس علمنا منطق الطير وأوتينا من كل شيء so today we we start uh, with a discussion uh, which will take uh, today and tomorrow about uh, the seven ahruf of the Quran and the seven qiraat of the Quran. Now, while many of you may have come across variant readings of the Quran where, for example, when they recite Surah Al-Fatiha, they read it like this. أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ مَالِكِ يَوْمِ الدِّينِ Then you'll hear. الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ مَالِكِ يَوْمِ الدِّينِ وَالرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ مَالِكِ يَوْمِ الدِّينِ إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ إِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمَ وَإِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمَ وَإِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمَ صِرَاطَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ صِرَاطَ الَّذِينَ صِرَاطَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ وَأَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ وَأَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَعَلَيْهِمْ now, those are the seven qiraat. So, many of you must have come across that. Uh, there's many, many recordings you'll find on the different uh, online uh, places where you can download and listen to Quran from. So, you would have heard that. But then there's the discussion of the seven ahruf. Are seven ahruf and the seven qiraat the same thing? Are they totally two different things? This is one of the most complicated discussions, one of the most controversial discussions and it has so many different opinions that um, according to some ulama there are actually about 35 different opinions in this regard to try to understand what the seven ahruf are. Where do these opinions come from? Uh, they come from uh, why do these opinions uh, differ so much and what's the basis of this? So we're going to look at that today in a short while that we have this you know, doesn't claim to be an exhaustive exhaustive coverage because that would actually probably take about, I would say, uh, you know, five hours uh, to be able to discuss this in detail with all the different evidences and responses of the different views and uh, that would take a very long time. So we're just going to summarize it. I'm going to give you like a really super summary quickly first before I go into a bit more depth, inshallah, over the last two days. So firstly, I'm going to give you a bit of a summary. Number one, uh, what we find in the hadith, and I'll quote these hadith a bit later, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Prophet said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this Qur'an, this Qur'an in seven ahruf. I'll just use the word ahruf for now. Ahruf is the plural of harf, and harf generally refers to a letter. Literally, it means a corner, an edge, uh, a limit of some sort. But here, obviously, it refers to a letter. So what's going on now is... The Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this Qur'an according to seven ahruf. Now to determine what these seven ahruf are, that is what the uh, what all the difference of opinion is about, is that what are those seven ahruf? And there's nothing absolutely clear from the Prophet to determine exactly what that is. You have the hadith which generally say the Qur'an is, has been allowed uh, in seven different ways. And there are some hadith which, for example, Umar found somebody 
uh, reciting in a different way to what he had himself learnt and he took him to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the Prophet said you read and he read and then Umar read and he said oh both of you are correct and this is exactly how Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has allowed it to be read in seven different uh, ahruf. So to determine what these ahruf are, are they a difference of uh, different um, dialects and different, yeah, different dialects of the different Arab tribes of the time, right? So they would use different wording for uh, the same idea. So they were allowed to use those different wordings for those same idea in the Quran. Was that the reason? Was that what it meant? Some say, yes, that's exactly what it was. Um, there's others who say that no, that is not what it is. It's actually referring to, um, it could refer to some part of that, that it could be different wording in some cases. And otherwise it could be just different. Uh, it could be that some words are placed before others, while in other kirat it's allowed to flip them around. The meaning is the same. I think pretty much everybody does agree on one thing, that the sab'at ahruf, there's one thing is that the meaning is absolutely all the same. Right, so the meaning does not change. The, the the objective, the message of the Quran does not change in any of this. Right, it's just various different ways of reading. But to determine those ways of reading are very difficult. Um, could it be that one uh, you have the sentence, uh, the verse in the passive sense, uh, and uh, like wayoma yuhsharu Allah, right? So the day when the enemies of Islam will be uh, gathered together. So that's in the passive. They will be made to gather together. They will be made to congregate together. Another way to read is that we will gather them together. Means the same thing. Because when you say they will be made to gather together, obviously the one who's doing that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and causing, getting the angels to do that. But then the other one is clear that we are doing this. So again, the, the general message does not change at all. It's just different ways of saying it. So we will, uh, that's what we're going to look at. Now, the idea of this uh, is that in the, um, in the beginning of Islam, which was in Makkah Mukarramah, the Quran was revealed according uh, to uh, just one harf, which was the way of the Quraysh. Now that's agreed upon that the Quran that we have is according, the, the Quran we see today, right? The Mus'haf that we see today is definitely according to the original, which is according to the primary, uh, you can say language of the time, the primary dialect of the time we can call it, which is that of the Quraysh, okay? Because there's clear hadith regarding that, that even when Uthman anhu was compiling it together and having it written in this very specific way to include what needed to be included uh, in, the, in the correct way and have it complete. He said, if you ever differ as to the wording and so on, then you're going to use uh, the, the dialect of the Quraysh. So the Prophet ﷺ was a Qurashi. Many of the Sahaba were Qurashis, but not all of them. So now what happened is that they say that, some say that these Sab'ata Ahruf um, started off in Makkah Mukarramah while others say that actually this was in Medina Munawwara. Now if you understand the background you'll get a better understanding that many of the hadith they seem to indicate that actually this is something of Medina Munawwara. While in Makkah Mukarramah there was just one harf or one style on which this was being read. However after that when uh, uh, many many other tribes entered into Islam in order to facilitate for them to be able to read the Quran, they couldn't all. You can't. You couldn't force all of them. No, this was just the common people, you know, who were, had to take the guidance from the Quran, who had to learn the Quran. This was not written, right? In those days, I mean, the Quran was written for record, but people did not write in those days, so you didn't have copies of the Quran being published. So the Quran was uh, initially uh, in the in the beginning period was transmitted orally. So it would be quite a difficulty to tell the various different tribes, the various different tribes that existed there, that, and to force them to read according to, and use the same wording according to the Qurayshi tribe. right? Because the main maqsad of the Quran was da'wah, was to propagate and was to uh, give them the message and teach them and guide them and nurture them. And that could be, th that could be done with its message. So initially Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Prophet allowed them and taught them that you could actually read it in your way, you know, in wor with words that uh, you use in place of other words. So, if somebody uses one word for tree and another tribe uses another word for tree, so they could use that word, but the Prophet specifically taught them what could be as and what could not be. It wasn't left free for all that, hey, you can just change it however you wish. So, that, that was, it was for facilitation. 
Now slowly, slowly what happened is that um, as it continued and as it continued, uh, what, what then happened is that um, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to, uh, whenever the revelation would come down, he would, number one, he would call the various different scribes. There were several different that were named, like Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu, Mu'awi radiallahu anhu, and the four khulafa and others. And he would tell them to write it down. So they would write it on pieces of bone or leather or wood or whatever it is, right? However, the Prophet ﷺ would do something else. He would also teach some of the different tribe people that would come to him uh, to facilitate for them. He would also teach them the Quran in according to their language, according to their dialect you could say right now obviously what happened is that he's teaching a whole group of people according to the Qureshi tribe and that's the way it was written but there were also other people that he's teaching to read according to their style so now what happened is that some of those people may have actually written it down according to their dialect as well now they have conveyed it to others because it's something they heard from the Prophet ﷺ. and the Prophet ﷺ, the main Qureshi one they they would transmit that as well so now what happened is that uh, coming through Umar radiallahu's time, there wasn't that much of an issue. But then when it came to Uthman radiallahu anhu's time, there were two. Uh, Hudayfa radiallahu anhu was there in the conquest of Azerbaijan and Armenia in that area. And then he saw this big issue erupt between people saying that, hey, you've done wrong, you've done wrong. Because now remember what each of these people had heard from their different teachers or different people they'd you know, that went all the way back to the Prophet ﷺ, there was a difference now. So he came and told Uthman and Uthman decided to put it all together according to one way. Now Uthman then said that anybody who's got it written according to those other ways, the other dialects that the Prophet ﷺ had allowed in the beginning, they should get rid of it. They should, they, they should burn it, they should get rid of it. He had all of that uh, essentially uh, taken care of and disposed. But he did not prevent them from continuing to read it if they wanted it. But in terms of a written corpus, he had it written in this one Qureshi style, right? In a Qureshi dialect, Qureshi way of reading that was agreed upon with the Sahaba, right? That this was there anyway, because nobody disagreed. I mean, uh, once you understood that the Prophet had also taught them and had taught them, then everybody agreed on, on that. But just to remove the confusion for the future, right? This was all put down according to one Qureshi style. So while the others were allowed to continue reading in their own way and teaching that if they wanted to, but in terms of it being written, Uthman insisted that it be written this way. So eventually what happened is that all of those other ways, they just phased out, right? They expired. There was, they did not remain uh, beyond that. That's why today you can, according to this view, you will not be able to find any of the other ahruf except this one, even though if you could, then you could, you would be able to read it in that way. Right, so that that is the idea of the seven ahruf that eventually they all phased out because, mashallah, the teachers would go, uh, you know, from Uthman when he would when he would send the several copies that he made of the master mushaf, right, which they claim today that one is in Tashkent and the other one is in Turkey. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala knows best. I've seen both of them, right. Allah knows best if they are the original copies or not. But if they are, whatever, the Prophet uh, Uthman alone would actually send teachers with it as well. Now these teachers obviously they taught and that became more pro prolific that became more popular that way main way so the other way was left behind now this was not something that they could just choose for themselves meaning this was uh, as i said this had to be something that was revealed and it was not something that they could choose to change themselves like, oh my tribe reads this this way so let me read it that way only if the prophet had told them to do that so that there are some there are some extreme uh, you know views in this regard or some modernist or liberal views in this regard that it should be allowed and some orientalists have suggested this as well right and the orientalists i mean this is one of the big issues that they've jumped onto the bandwagon on because they could not find any way to criticize the quran i mean they tried in many different ways but then they they thought that this might be something to cause confusion to people with at least I mean, there's there's satisfactory explanations of this among uh, you know by the Muslim scholars, but those who don't know the deep understanding and the history of this and how to reconcile the narrations, it can cause confusion for people, and people can cause confusion to others regarding this. So, um, for example, today the Egyptians and uh, you know uh, Yemenis and others, I mean, the, when they read Arabic, they change certain letters just by default. For example, they they change jim to g. Right? They say in Chim to Gaza. So Jazakallah would become Gazakallah. Right? Um, for example, uh, 
that they they would say um, yeah uh, the other in Syria I mean they change all the qafs to a hamza right so haq becomes ha ha um, masjid in uh, in in Egypt is masjid right masjid can you change that uh, um, can you change that in the Quran absolutely not you know just to facilitate for for Egyptians or for Syrians or whatever they'll be changing all the qalbs to a kal to a alb they'll say albi 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 Right, ulub, you know, ulub uh, nas. That's uh, completely wrong. Uh, that the only dialects that were allowed were those specifically taught by the Prophet And as I said, they've been cancelled out because there's no need for that facilitation. Because as it grew, it's the main Qurashi uh, dialect that became more prolific. Everybody could relate to it. Everybody could read according to that, and that's how they finally started learning the Quran. So there was no need to keep it you know once all the tribes had entered into Islam and they'd all been assimilated and everything there was no need for them to continue reading in their own way they could actually now learn it afresh this way right so that's essentially the idea now it says seven ahruf there's some other discussions about this that is this restricted to seven were there only seven because there were many many more tribes that's why there's some people they have the view for example um, Qadi Iyad and a number of others including Shawariullah of more recent times last few hundred years their belief is that the word seven is just used for abundance because in Arabic and in the hadith we see that that they mention seven for like quite a few right like a dozen we say right seven for quite a few it doesn't have to restrict it to seven because there are many tribes it could have been more than seven as well um, uh, just like we have 70, the Prophet used to make istighfar 70 times in, you know, or 100 times it says in another hadith. We use the concept of tens. Oh, there's tens of them, hundreds of them, thousands of them. The Arabs, they used to use, I don't know if they still use, they say seven, 70, oh, 700. That's kind of their frame or reference point. So they said that actually it refers to more than seven as well. Uh, others say no, that's not true. The majority actually disagree with that. They say that no, the Prophet very specifically said seven, so it must mean seven, and there are they give a lot of reasons for that. So there's difference of opinion in that regard as well. Okay. Now the other thing to clarify here is that when you say that there are, there were seven ways they would read this, this does not mean that every single verse and every single word they would read in seven different ways, or they were allowed to read it, or there were even ways of reading in seven. Right, so Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. There were not necessarily seven different ways of reading that. What it means is that there were certain words, certain verses that could be read, read in different ways depending on what the need of that dialect was at that time. Right, it does not mean that there were absolutely always seven, but it was the maximum would be seven. That's the other uh, clear understanding here. But otherwise, in many words, there would just be one other option. So it would just be two options or maybe three options maximum, right? Well, not maximum, but generally speaking, or very few places would it be like seven. So that's why. Now, remember, we don't have this necessarily in front of us according to that view that it's not the Qira'at. Now, we do have seven Qira'at. In fact, we've got more than seven Qira'at, right? Seven Qira'at, seven ways of recitation. All right. We definitely have that. That's something I'm going to talk about more tomorrow. We definitely have seven qira'at today. In fact, we have more than seven qira'at. So um, there's some ulama who actually say that the seven ahruf are the seven modes, the seven qira'at, the seven recitations. Okay. But others, they say, no, they are not the seven recitations. The seven, these were actually seven dialects. So those are the two big views about this. Okay. Now, those, uh, the seven qira'at, those who say that it's something different to the seven ahruf, then why are there, uh, you know, why is this confusion of seven then? He said, well, there's actually more than seven qira'at. There's at least ten qira'at and there's even probably more than that. The reason why that became confusing is that in the third century or something, one of the scholars, Ibn Mujahid, he compiled the seven qira'at together, right, in one place, which were all according to the Qurashi style, right, all according to the Qurashi style. Now, because this book became very well known and his collection became very well known, people started confusing the seven ahruf with the seven qira'at. But according to the majority view, that is, they're not the seven qira'at, they're separate. However, there is another view which says that they are both the same thing. There are just so many different views regarding this. Now, as I said, this did not happen in Makkah. There are, there are some who say it actually happened in Makkah Mukarramah. There's some who insist on that. That it started right from the beginning that seven were allowed, up to seven were allowed, or more than seven were allowed, were the various different opinions there. However, the majority say that no, this is something from all the hadith we see about it. It happened in Medina Munawara because there's a specific 
places that I mentioned where this these incidents took place that we know about from the hadith so this actually happened in Medina and that's where it was more the need because these uh, tribes had now entered into Islam and it became a need that there was not really much of a need in Makkah Mukarramah okay now how did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam know how to teach them right the different because the Prophet was Qurayshi he was not like a master of different languages by you know academically speaking so they say that oh this is probably through a miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he knew the different ways of the dialects of the different tribes so that he could teach them this was something from miracle there's no other way to explain it because the Prophet Sallallahu taught different because it's clear when the person came with Umar anhu that had a different way of reading. The Prophet said, yes, that's exactly how I taught. And he said, yeah, that's exactly how I taught. So the Prophet was the only one who was actually teaching the different dialects or teaching the Quran according to the different dialects. He wasn't teaching the dialects, he was teaching the Quran according to the different dialects. Where did he get that knowledge from? They say that the only thing we can um, understand is that this must be miraculous, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught them that. But as I said, to clarify again, he would only have it written, physically written, according to the Qurayshi way. So, um, I think I've explained uh, the, the, the kind of a master summary. I've kind of explained all of that. I'll just give you one more thing. Um, there's very few words, as I said, that you, know, you could say in several, several different ways that were, that were mentioned. But to give you an idea, there is, uh, uh, they've given an example that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, in the Quran, if he was to say, come, right? Come, halumma. Right? So there are seven words for this that the Arabs have used. One is halum, means come. Another one is ta'al. Ta'al, you hear this quite, you know, in fact, I don't, see, I don't really see people using halum today, but you do see them saying ta'al, ta'al, ya akhi, ta'al, right? Aqbil, right? Come along, like uh, embark on this, aqbil, that's another one. Another one is ilayya, like to me, to me, right? Nahwi, uh, in my direction, right? Qasdi, again, intend me. Qurbi, come close to me or my closeness. So all of these could be used for the same idea of come to me or come on, hurry up, like let's go, right? Like in English, you have come, hurry up, let's go, um, walk, uh, run, uh, come with me. You know, there's various different words. Um, why were the seven lost? Well, I explained that there was actually no need for them anymore. So slowly, slowly, they just withered away. There was just nobody to teach them and that's why they were lost. And it wasn't wajib to preserve them. There's no hadith to indicate that they must have been preserved. Now, this is, of course, according to the view that the seven qiraat are not that. However, there are scholars who actually insist that no, the seven were preserved and are preserved and they are part of the seven. Uh, the seven qira'at, the seven recitations, that is what it is. So th that's the whole other group we, which say that the seven qira'at, same thing as the seven ahruf, that means they're all preserved, right? So, for example, uh, one of the proponents of this view is the great Imam uh, al-Baqillani. Imam Baqillani, he insists that the seven are preserved, they had to be preserved, otherwise, you know, to say that they could not be preserved or whatever, that would be a major mistake. So that's uh, one view there. Um, there's a another view as well, which I'll just mention to you, which is that the seven ahruf were just there for the initial period of Islam, you know, just to facilitate. And then after that, they were actually cancelled out by the Prophet ﷺ. This is not the majority view, but this is the view of quite a few that they were actually cancelled out by the Prophet ﷺ. See, what used to happen, and I, would, I was going to explain this in another session uh, in more detail, the Prophet ﷺ, every Ramadan, right, like during this time, he would recite whatever of the Qur'an had been revealed until then. Remember, over 23 years, or so whatever had been revealed uh, in that seventh year, he would, he would get together with Jibreel ﷺ and they would, he would review it with him. So he would read the entire that portion that had been revealed until then. So now in the last year, in the final year, the Prophet ﷺ re uh, read the entire Qur'an, or you know, the major, absolute majority of the Qur'an. I'm not sure if there were maybe a few verses that were left outside of that. So that was the final reading with Jibreel ﷺ. It was like a final review, right? A final revision uh, with Jibreel ﷺ confirming everything. And after that, it was disallowed to read in any other way. So some even go as far and saying that it was actually from the Prophet ﷺ that initially this was allowed, 
then after that it became prohibited to read by the other qiraat right sorry the other ahruf the other modes of reading this is a view that uh, is taken by imam tahawi he considers this to be uh, uh, the, the strongest opinion Sufyan ibn Uyayna used to believe have this and ibn Wahab and also ibn Abdul Bar rahimahullah they consider this view as well so now that gives you an understanding of the scope in this regard right of the various different views and what they are and hope that clarifies everything that uh, and I'll just make mention very simply again seven ahruf as mentioned in the hadith according to one group of scholars are the seven qiraat are seven qiraat or seven ways of qiraat that we know of even today. The others say that no, these seven ahruf are actually seven different dialects of the various different Arab tribes and they're gone now, right? Most of them are gone now. Maybe some aspects of that, maybe, you know, you might be able to find some of those in the seven qiraat, but otherwise they're gone, right? And the seven qiraat are totally something else. Broadly speaking, that would be the two opinions, but there's again so many other you know, combinations of opinions because then to determine what those seven, if it's not seven, uh, if it's a seven tribe, tribal, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, dialects, that's a simple opinion. They're gone, we don't know them anymore, we only know one, the Qurayshi one, that's simple, that, that clarifies everything. But if you take the other view, which is held by many, 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 many scholars, that it's actually uh, the seven ways of reading as opposed to seven dialects, the seven ways of reading, the wuju, as they call them, the wuju, seven ways of reading. And then the discussion is, what are those seven wuju of reading, right? And are they what we read as qira'at today? Because the qira'at are wuju, they are different ways of reading, right? Are they the same thing and what they are? And there's difference of opinion in that regard as well, okay? So um, let us now get to the discussion itself in a bit more detail once you've I hope you guys have all understood the, 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 the general framework of this um, I'm not going to talk too much about the seven qiraat except where it overlaps here I'll talk about that more particularly tomorrow inshallah the seven qiraat the seven uh, ways of reading the seven uh, style like, like, like I demonstrated to you in the beginning with the Surah Al-Fatiha but today just about ahruf so firstly let's start with the word Definition of ahruf, the plural of harf, as I mentioned, it means a, a side, an edge of something. It means having, like, uh, being on edge about something, not being part of the mainstream. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al Hajj, verse 11, Allah says, There are among people some who worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala half heartedly. So it's in the meaning of half heartedly, they're not fully into it. They just do it partially, right? So partially. فَإِنْ أَصَابَهُ خَيْرٌ If some good reaches them, they're very satisfied. So they're very selfish in the way they do it for. They do it for just personal motives. And if some fitna, وَإِنْ أَصَابَتُ فِتْنَ إِنْ قَلَبَ عَلَى وَجْهِ If some trial and test reaches them, some challenge reaches them, then they turn on their face. خَسِرَ الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ they're, they're, they're losers of the dunya and the akhirah, and this is a huge, huge loss. So in here, the harf means not fully, but partially, right, on edge. That's kind of the meaning that is mentioned here. However, the technical definition, what the ulama have done is, Al-Ahrufu Saba'a, Saba'atu Awjuhin, Fasihatin, Min Al-Lughati, Wal-Qiraati, Unzila Alayha Al-Quran Al-Kareem. This is a really interesting definition that incorporates both major views or all the major views, right? Al-Ahruf al-Sab'a, Sab'atu awjuhin, fasihatim min al-lughati wal-qira'ati, unzil alayhi al-Qur'an al-Kareem. The seven Ahruf, the seven modes, however you want to translate that, I just prefer to use the word Ahruf so that I'm not specifying anything. The seven Ahruf are the seven eloquent ways, right? Either from the languages, the dialects, or from the modes of reading, the ways of it being read, the qiraat that were that the Quran was revealed according to, that was the reve was revealed to be able to recite according to, right? That's what the definition is. Now let us look at the hadith in this regard, so you know where this is all coming from. This is coming from the hadith, and these hadith are very very strong. I mean, there are some other weaker narrations, but we'll just look at the stronger narrations uh, in this regard. We'll just look at a few of the hadiths. There's quite a few, but we'll look at a few of the hadith. In fact, the ulama have agreed that the Quran being revealed on sab'atu ahruf, on seven 
harf on the seven modes or uh, whatever it is is a mutawatir narration it's related from i don't know how many narrators that you you can't expect that to be a lie right so that's definite you can't just explain it away that oh this is uh, a weak narration no it's actually mutawatir it's, it's continuous contiguous widespread narration that there's no doubt about so it has to be agreed upon that the quran was revealed in seven ahruf that's why there's all of this discussion as to what how to determine the seven ahruf afterwards right let's look at the first hadith from umar ibn al-khattab radiyallahu anhu that i alluded to earlier which is related both by imam bukhari and imam muslim he says that umar says that i heard hisham ibn hakim reciting surat al-furqan he said, I, this was in the life of the Prophet ﷺ. This was not afterwards. This was while the Prophet ﷺ was alive. He heard him reciting somewhere. So I was listening to him. And he was, he was reading according to ala hurufin kathira. This is what Umar says. He was reciting that according to so many different modes or ways in which the Prophet ﷺ had not taught me. Now, it was either he was, it looks like maybe Hisham ibn Hakim was praying loudly and Umar was listening or, it was the, or Umar was also in Salat. But either way, um, it doesn't mention it clearly, but he says that I was going to maybe, you know, go and challenge him and overcome him and wrestle him down or whatever while in the salat but so I, I i forced myself to be patient until he finished because umar is just that get up and go do the job so then after that i grabbed him i pulled him to me i caught his attention by his uh, by his sheet that his shawl that he had and i said to him who made you read this surah in the way that i heard you reading he said the prophet taught it to me this way i said you're a liar right because he didn't know about this, right? So he said, you're a liar. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ taught me this sword as well and it was totally different to this. So I grabbed him and I dragged him to the Prophet ﷺ. And I said that I've heard him reciting Surah Al-Furqan according to a mode and a way that is not the way you taught me. The Prophet ﷺ said, let him go, let him go, right? Okay, Hisham, read. So he read in the same way that I'd heard him recite earlier. So the Prophet ﷺ said, "Kadalika unzilat." This is exactly how it was revealed. Subhanallah. Now you can imagine Umar is saying, "I'm sure he taught me differently." So how can, can it be revealed like that? You can imagine his emotion. Then the Prophet ﷺ turned to Umar and said, "Okay, now ikra ya Umar. You read as well." فَقَرَأْتُ الَّتِي أَقْرَأَنِي So I read the way that the Prophet ﷺ taught me. So he said, "Kadalika unzilat." This is how it was revealed as well. And then the Prophet ﷺ made it very clear and he declared, That this Quran has been revealed according to seven modes. So now you read whatever's easy for you. You read whichever one of those modes are easy for you, meaning whichever mode that you have been taught according to your dialect or your style or whatever the meaning of that is, you read according to that. Now, the other great scholar of the Quran among the Sahaba was Ubay ibn Ka'b There's a hadith that's related from him again, which Imam Muslim has transmitted. He says, I was in a masjid and a man came in and he started reciting. So he's in a masjid, a man comes in and he started reading aloud and he started reading in a way that I could not recognize. Man, what kind of Quran is he reading? Right? You know, nowadays, if there's somebody who comes in and starts making a mistake, you know, you're going to be quite sure and say, that's not Quran. You know, like, what are you reading? You know, you're making a lot of mistakes. So that's what he thought. Then after that, while I'm listening to him and he's making this, there's another person who comes in and he reads. And again, he reads in a way that I could not recognize as well. And it looks like they were praying Salat. Somebody was praying Salat. So he says that when we finish the Salat, finally, maybe this was, he didn't want to disturb him then, when they finish the Salat. He says, we, uh, it doesn't tell you exactly what happened in between the interchange, but he says that we then all went to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Right? And I said that he has just read something that I cannot recognize. He's read part of the Quran in a way that I don't recognize. And then this person came in afterwards and he's also done something similar. He's also read in a way that I don't recognize. They're both reading differently. So I know one way and they're both reading in two different ways. So there's three ways. 
So the Prophet said, okay, read. So he made them both read. And the Prophet said, yeah, they're both correct. Now that's really confusing. That's really confusing. So uh, when they said that, Ubay ibn Ka'b says that there was a, some kind of a doubt, some kind of disbelief regarding this, a denial or something, takdeeb, a denial about this that crept into my heart, but I didn't say anything, right? I didn't say anything, okay? And the Prophet saw my emotion, saw the state that I'd overcome, that had overcome me. And he, he hit me on the chest, like he struck me on the chest. He's like, you know, and I just poured out in, in sweat. Like I just began to perspire, right? I, I just, you know, started to sweat. And it was as if I am now looking at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terror. Like, you know, I'm, I'm really, really, really scared that what have I done? Like, you know, I, I mean, it was an emotion that, you know, I, that's not how you taught me and you're saying it's okay. You know, they just didn't know this in the beginning. So then the Prophet sallallahu explained. And in this one, this hadith gives a better idea of how this had happened. He said, Ubay, the Prophet sallallahu said, Ya Ubay, I, a messenger was sent to me, meaning the, the, probably the angel Jibreel that I recite the Quran according to one style, you know, which everybody knows, you know, the one that I generally uh, refer to. So what I decided that I sent him back to say that, please have some, uh, ha have some mercy on my ummah in the sense that make it easy for my ummah, make it easy for my ummah. Maybe by then the Prophet would recognize that it's going to be difficult for those different Arab tribes to start reading in that same way of the Qurayshi tribe because it was so ingrained to speak in those different ways and now you have, if you have to change for example it's uh, I mean it's not the same example but if you're to get me now to speak like somebody from Birmingham uh, you know from Bur Birmingham or from from Blackburn right I mean we say Blackburn here and they say Blackburn right a Bolton right it's very difficult or if I had to speak like somebody from Bradford or if they had to speak like somebody from London or one of the ways of the London space. Very difficult. So he said, make it easy on my ummah. So then um, uh, I, uh, the messenger came back to me and said, okay, fine, you can read it in two different ways. So again, I sent him back and said, no, have some more ease, create some more ease. So then he allowed, uh, the messenger came back and said, you can read it in three ways, right? Actually, no. And according to this narration, the third instance, when the messenger came back, he says, okay, ikra'hu ala sab'ati ahruf. You can now have it recited. You can recite it according to, this, according to seven ways. Now remember, there's this opinion that seven means seven, and another opinion means seven means multiple ways, right? Whatever way is that you can teach them. Then actually in this hadith, he also mentioned that for the three times that you sent the messenger back to request this, I'm going to give you three accepted du'as, right? Which is really interesting. So I said, okay. And the Prophet made three du'as. Well, two du'as. He said, Oh Allah, forgive my ummah. Oh Allah, forgive my ummah. Allahumma li ummati. Allahumma li ummati. Twice he said that. And he says, I'm going to leave this last du'a for the day in which everybody is going to approach me, um, uh, including Ibrahim Islam. You know, that's most likely going to be for that initial intercession on the day of judgment with the famous hadith about that. So he says, I'll leave it for that one. That is related by Imam Muslim. Now there's another hadith which Imam Muslim, again another version that Imam Muslim has related, again from Ubay ibn Ka'ab radiallahu an, that the Prophet sallallahu now this one tells you a place that they were in. Now this shows you that this was a later development. The other thing which shows you that this was a later development is that Umar radiallahu and so on, they did not know about this first, right? So that's why they were surprised. And that's why these encounters took place. Now in this one it says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was at the swamp or the reservoir of the Banu Ghifar. Right? So he, means, he mentions Adatu Bani Ghifar. That's where he was. That's in Medina Munawwara. This is not this is why we understand from this that this did not happen in Makkah Mukarramah. And he says that Jibreel came to him. The Prophet says that Jibreel came to him and says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands you uh, commands that you recite the Quran according to this one way. So then uh, the Prophet said I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness and pardon, but my ummah is not going to be able to. So it looks like by this time the Prophet has realized that the different tribes and so on are finding it difficult to recite according to the Qurayshi way.
So, um, the, an the angel came back the second time and said, Allah then commands that you can read it in two ways. Again, the Prophet ﷺ said, I ask Allah for his forgiveness and pardon, but my ummah cannot do this. So then he came a third time and he says, okay, you can do it in three ways. You have three modes, uh, three different ways to read it. And again, I asked the same thing. So then he came back a fourth time. And this was now, in this one it says, the fourth time is when the Prophet ﷺ was told that, okay, you can read it up to seven ways or multiple ways, whatever that means. But whichever way you read, they will be correct. Right? So they can read it all those different ways and they will be correct if they did that. Um, then we move on to another hadith from Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim from Abdullah ibn Abbas anhu, that the Prophet said very clearly, First Jibreel he taught it to me according to one way. This was in Makkah Mukarramah. فَلَمْ أَزَلْ أَسْتَزِيدُهُ but, uh, but I continue to ask him for more ways of reading it and he kept increasing me until I reached seven. So this gives you that understanding as well. Imam Muslim has another transmission from Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri in which he says, It has reached me that those seven, right, those seven ways that have been described in all those hadith, they were all regarding a single matter, a single meaning. They would not change any halal or haram. That's a very important clarification to make, which is that these were just seven ways of saying the same thing. They were not seven different conditions that, okay, you read it that wine is halal and you read that wine has become haram. No, it was nothing like that. Or you can say uh, zina is uh, don't do zina and you can say you can do zina it was not that it was not that it was just about the ways it was written the the styles or the dialects or whatever the case was Abdullah ibn Mas'ud there's a narration about him in the mustadrak of Imam al-Hakim and the Musnad and others and Imam Tabari has read, related this as well there's a it's a long hadith I don't want to mention it, but he had a difference of opinion with some of the other sahaba about some recitation Right, and they went to the Prophet and Ali radiallahu anhu was sitting there. So he looked like Ali radiallahu knew about this, right? So he said, Ali radiallahu anhu said that the Prophet the Messenger of Allah commands that you all read the way you've been taught. So you guys have a difference of opinion, that's fine, but whatever you've been taught, you read according to that way, whatever you've been taught, you read according to that way. This gives you this gives you some picture. But there's still some vagueness as to when exactly and all the rest of it. I mean, I've interpreted it for you. But if you look at the hadith, there is some vagueness about when exactly all of this happened. That's why it leaves room for the uh, an opening. Plus, it does not make clear exactly what those seven ways were. right? What did Abdullah ibn Masood read? And what did the others read? What did Hisham read? And what did Umar read? What did those people who came in? What exactly did they read? There's no discussion of that. That's what makes it confusing. That's what allows the difference of opinion to... Uh, to, to proliferate here. Now, maybe you're bored of this discussion, and that's fine, right? You can be bored of this discussion. It's not necessary for people to know about this in any kind of detail, right? Because, um, you know, unfortunately, there are people who, when they do go to try to understand it, there's some people who get more confused about it. Some people. I mean, alhamdulillah, there's lots of coverages about this. If you want to read more about this in the various different books, for example, if you take Mufti Taqi Uthmani's Ulum Al-Quran book in Urdu, he's got a really good discussion in Urdu. If you want to do it in English, then um, uh, Gateway to the Islamic Science, uh, to the Quranic Sciences, he's got a description there as well. And there's um, uh, other people who've written about this as well. But anyway, inshallah, um, let me explain a bit more. All of these ahadith, if we look at them in general, there's a few points that come from here. This is important for us, what we learn from here. So imagine that we didn't know anything about this discussion and we just saw these hadith. What would be distilled from these hadith? What would be inferred from these hadith? So the following points. Number one, there was definitely allowance to read it in more than one way. Right? We learned that from these ahadith. All of these ahadith are sahih. Most of them that I've quoted are Sahih, they're from Bukhari, Muslim or whatever, right? In fact, as I mentioned, the, if you take all the other narrations as well, there's a tawatur, right? There's a widespread agreement that the Quran was allowed to be recited in seven ways, right? That is quite clear. Number two, 
Allah, Allah, Allah. That whoever has the seven ways, the seven ways are specifically those that were taught to those people from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They're not ways that you can make up through, oh, I think this is another way to do it. I know this other tribe, they read this word, this way, so let me try it that way because the, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has allowed it. No, this is every way that is allowed was directly taught by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And what proves this is that the wording that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used was really specific. He said, Unzila ala sab'ati ahruf, Unzila ala or Unzila alayya or Ursila alayya. It was revealed, it was sent to me that it was read in this way and it can be read in this way. Which shows that every single one was actually taught and inspired directly. It wasn't a general thing that you can just read it as you wish. So if anybody wants to read them, well, you better have something directly from the Prophet ﷺ uh, who taught you that. That is the way you can read it. So nobody can come up with something new today. And this is necessary. You know, this is absolutely necessary because the way the Quran is written today is the what makes it a miracle. Okay. And that better have been taught from the Prophet ﷺ. So if you say it's something else, it won't be. Right. And what that will do is it will essentially encroach onto the beautiful way with the Quran is reading if you just allowed it to be read in any way. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that we are going to preserve this Quran. We're the ones who have revealed this reminder and we will protect it. So that's why it's necessary for those words to be the way they are. Now, another verse which clarifies that is in Surah Yunus. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ لَا يَرْجُونَ لِقَاءَنَا أَتِي بِقُرْآنٍ غَيْرِ هَذَا أَوْ بَدِّلُ قُلْ مَا يَكُونُ لِي أَنْ أُبَدِّلَهُ مِنْ تِلْقَاءِ نَفْسِي إِنْ أَتَّبِعُ إِلَّا مَا يُوحَى إِلَيَّ إِنِّي أَخَافُ إِنْ عَصَيْتُ رَبِّي عَذَابَ يَوْمٍ عَظِيمٍ This proves, I look at what this is saying here, those who do, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that those who do not in, do not hope to meet us, they say, bring a different Quran or change it. Bring a different Quran to this or change it. So say to them, O Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa say to them that it is not my prerogative to change it from my own self. I cannot change any part of this from my own self. I only follow that, and it's, it's with emphasis, I do not follow except specifically that which has been inspired to me because I fear that if I disobey my Lord I fear uh, the punishment of a mighty and a, and, a, and a terrifying day so this also proves that this was very specific you couldn't change the Quran otherwise this was something taught by the Prophet ﷺ. and this is exactly he kept saying when he referred to those people when he heard them he said this is exactly how it was revealed this is how exactly how it was revealed. So all of those different ways were the way it was revealed to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as well. Number three, another point that we get from this is that the difference in those ahruf and readings were of the wording only. Right? Were the wording only. Right? The ways of reading, the dialects or the wording or the expression or the order of the words or whatever. That was all it was. right? They, it was just Qiraatul Al-Fad. It was not Ikhtilaf fi Tafsir al-Ma'ani. It was not a different opinion about the meaning dif being different. Because none of those hadiths say that it was a different meaning. He was changing the meaning. None of them say that. It was all about the wording. If you look at all of the wording, it's all of that. He read it in a word that I did not know. He read it in a wording that I'm in a style that I did not know. All of it is about style and mode of reading. Nothing is about meaning. So be careful about that. This is where the big confusion comes. What the Orientalists and others do is that they start creating this doubt because it's such a complicated and a vast area. As I said, it would take me at least five, six hours to maybe go through all the discussion. And I've read quite a bit about this, you know, in the last few days. That's why I deferred it. I read quite about this from uh, different scholars and mashallah. There's some really good discussions about that and which they've closed all the loopholes. But this is where 
some have to try to say look there's different ways of reading so it could be different meanings and now they've just insisted on this meaning whereas actually zina should be allowed or this should be allowed that none of that works because when you look at the wording of the hadith it's very particular about what it's saying now um, let us uh, look a bit more which I've already explained to you that um, according to as I said one view the seven Ahruf, the seven ways, are the seven Qira'at. And uh, this is not an agreement. This is not the view that everybody has taken. right? So, in fact, some make this say, say that this is actually a clear blunder and a clear wrong to say that. So, they, you know, some are quite animated about their opinion as well. And the reason is that they say that there was a famous Qari, Al-Muqri' Al-Qari, whose name was Ibn Mujahid. He compiled a book in which he mentioned seven different qira'at, the seven different recitation forms which all come under the Qurashi style. All right? And because it was seven, people just assumed that this referred to the seven ahruf because by that time the seven ahruf were, were gone. So they thought it was that. So that's why they're saying that the confusion has come from that. Right? That's why Imam Tabari was one of the early Mufassirs which we dis, who we described to you when we, you know, we told you about his life as well. Uh, he's got a whole introduction about this at the beginning of his book and he makes it also very clear that it's not that, right? It's not the seven Qira'at. These are actually the seven different dialects and that's what he clarifies as well. So what we're going to do uh, next inshallah which will be tomorrow is that we will discuss the seven we can't discuss the seven different dialects because we don't know what they are they've gone but in terms of the other opinion which says that it's seven different modes of reading right whether the changes in the i'rab right in the voweling the changing is actually in the word itself uh, the changing is in between the singular plural or dual Right or sing the changes between the passive and the active. We'll discuss, inshallah, all of that at least so you get an idea of what that is. And also tomorrow, inshallah, we will discuss the seven qiraat. That will be, inshallah, very interesting. And then, inshallah, hopefully you've already got the understanding of the framework of this, the master synopsis, inshallah. But inshallah, we will carry on with the rest of the discussion tomorrow. Keep us in your du'as. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, bless you. And inshallah... Um, what I'm what I want to mention also today that if you have any questions, right, and I'm sure questions arise, then please email them to us through the Zamzam Academy website, right? And we will gather all of these questions and we've already received a few questions. And inshallah, we will then spend the day towards the end when we've covered most of the big issues, right, of the big sciences of the Quran. We'll spend the day if we have sufficient questions, inshallah, we will discuss the different uh, uh, inshallah questions and we'll try to answer them then. So please, if you have questions, please send them forth, right? And we will uh, send them through zamzamacademy.com and we will inshallah try to answer them. Jazakallah khair. Allah bless you all and Allah make the second half of Ramadan better than the first one and make this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. Allah bless you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khair for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, um, uh, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.